Last week's message was titled Inspired by Doubts. And we looked at how some of the most skeptical people, both in the Bible and current society, had their questions answered and they were transformed from critic to advocate for Christ. And perhaps, like me, you took solace in the revelation that our questions and our curiosities aren't in themselves sinful. In fact, they often lead to a deeper faith as we rely on God to answer our questions and those needs are met. And you may recall that I made a reference to some rather benign doubts that we have. One in particular was that Sherry and I, like so many people, spent a few bucks on a Mega Millions ticket with the doubt that we would wake up on Wednesday morning as billionaires. And if you wondered, we didn't. Um, Why is that funny? (laughs) I saw the looks on some of your faces in this room, and I realized that we weren't alone in this investment of skeptical hope. I'll call that right. And I'd go so far as to assume that there were a lot of first-time or or not-in-a-long-time investments in the lottery the past few weeks. The outrageous jackpot led to conversations about, what would I do if I won? We even had that conversation on the way home. What would we do if we won? And it was fun to imagine, of course. And, of course, the news was filled with reports of the long lines and the the man on the street reporting as they were asking the same question to people. What would you do if you won, right? And one story in particular got my attention and inspired this morning's message. Now, let me share a part of an article I read. This is from the Market Watch, August 8th. It was written by Andrew Keshner. And the title is, Mega Millions Hits $1.55 Billion, But You Should Buy Stocks, Not Lottery Tickets. Here's the how to get your 8% return. It says, the next Mega Millions drawing is Tuesday night. Tempted? Do this instead. The Mega Millions jackpot is now an estimated $1.55 billion, and the next drawing is Tuesday night after there was no winner on Friday. Still tempted? Here are other numbers for you to mull over. You have a 1 in $302.6 million chance of winning, which aren't great odds. You want better odds of making money? Says the National Association of Investors and Better Investing, which is a nonprofit education group that's been around for seven decades, ran some numbers, and the results could be wake-up call for people hoping to get for a get-rich-quick lottery scheme with a dollar and a dream. On Friday, stocks cleared lower after Fitch downgraded the U.S. credit rating earlier in the week, and the July labor report showed the economy is still adding jobs, but at a moderate pace. But over the long term, research shows that the stock market is still a better bet. Suppose the lottery dreamers spent $40 each month on lottery tickets. Beginning in 2002, and every year that amounted to $480 for tickets that were, in all likelihood, losers. In two decades, you would have $9,600 out of pocket. Instead of being a lottery dreamer, imagine that person was a stock market planner and put that same $40 each month into the S&P 500 from 2002 to 2022. That would equate to approximately $22,000 of profit. And he goes on to sell his services about how you should use him as an investor. But the thing is this, the path to wealth is rooted more in reality and not a lot of winning dreams. And, and we, as people, as Americans, have a desire for financial freedom. And, and you know, we, we put that in our work, we put it in our investments, and, and every now and then we put it in these, these odds of winning, and it's for, fun to do that. Um, but the good news is people are becoming wise about you know, really where good investment is. And it's really with that I want to pivot and talk about the kingdom. In fact, if you're curious, uh, another group did a study about $1,000 worth of scratch-off tickets. And the overall winning percentage was 21.66%, meaning, um, well, basically, they had one scratch-off ticket that won $500. 
So even at that, they lost 526 of their thousand dollars. If you take that one out, they would have lost way more. So, um, so it's interesting. So maybe think of it this way. This cartoon says, if I had all the money I've spent on the lottery, it would be like winning the lottery. Isn't that true? Our investments often revolve around worldly pursuits such as financial assets, careers, education, and personal achievements. And this morning's message isn't about the trappings of gambling or even false hope. It's about making good, long-term, impactful investments with our lives. It's about our higher calling to invest in the eternal kingdom of heaven. And let's begin by looking at this week's scripture remember that Al read. Matthew 6, 19 through 21, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Let's take a few minutes to unpack that. Do not store yourselves up for things on earth where it's subject to loss and destruction. We know that. But it says put it up in heavens where these things can't get into it, where it's a safe investment. Now this last sentence talks about you know, put, setting your priorities. But that first part is about what is a good investment of, of yourself. Store up for yourselves treasures. What are these treasures? Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. The things of earth, the things of earthly treasures are impermanent. And that's okay. Because when we look at ourselves from the earth, standpoint we are too but we have a permanence in heaven and those are the places we need to invest like it says for where treasure is your heart is also that needs to be where things aren't taken away where they aren't stolen where they they don't break down investing should be done investing in relationships and kingdom work matthew 25 34 through 40 says truly i say to you these are jesus's words truly i say to you as you did it one was you do to one of the least of these, you do to me. This highlights the transformative power of compassion and kindness. Investing in relationships and helping those need is a tangible way to lay up our treasures in heaven. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15, this is from the Apostle Paul. It says, for no one can lay any foundation other than one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hair, straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only one, only as one escaping through the flames. Jesus has laid a powerful foundation, a permanent foundation on earth. To establish his kingdom. We refer to him as the cornerstone. Building on this foundation looks like investing in other people, investing in relationships, loving others, forgiving others, forgiving ourselves. So storing things in heaven might look like this. So since then you were raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on these things, not on earthly things. That's our prize. That's the thing we look to. We often hear the phrase, the love of money is the, the root of all evil. And, and we often hear that as 
Love of money is the root of evil. And that's not what it says. It says the love of money. And it's often misunderstood and misquoted. But it holds a profound truth about the relationship between money and human behavior. I want to take a few minutes just to look at a couple of these implications. First, it's, again, not the love of money. Or it's not money is the root. It's the love of money. This speaks to recognizing priorities in our lives. Okay? Even the best parts of our lives can be out of step. And, uh, and, and additional importance put on it. And it takes the place of other things like God in our lives. These, even these good things can become an idol. Pursuing things, pursuing money, jobs, uh, stature, it can have an impact on our relationships. It can erode our contentment as we look to others and we're displeased because so-and-so has this or ease this easier or this nicer thing. And we may even be tempted to make ethical compromises in pursuit of the things that we feel like we want or need or deserve. But instead, God calls us to balance our needs, to take care of ourselves, and out of the abundance he's given us, to take care of the needs of others. Sometimes that abundance is financial. Sometimes that abundance is our time. Sometimes that abundance is our energy, which is why in our offering time, we don't sit there and focus on how much money's in the plate, but how much we've committed in our heart to give an offering to the Lord to do his work. We should be seeking God's kingdom instead of stuff. We should be cultivating within ourselves a generous spirit, checking ourselves to say, am I giving out of compulsion? Am I giving because people are watching and, and think, wondering what I'm doing and I want the acknowledgement for that? Or are we doing it because it's the right thing to do? And we should embrace the contentment we have. In Philippians 4.11, the Apostle Paul demonstrates this. He says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Whatever I have, I'm content because God's got it under control. So when we talk about building treasures, storing treasures in heavens, we, we focus on building treasures um, means investing in relationships, acts of kindness, spreading the message of God's love. These investments have eternal significance, not just for ourselves, but for others. And when we prioritize heavenly treasures, we create a legacy that extends into eternity as our children and our grandchildren, our neighbors and people we interact with. That's, that goes on as a, as a point of impact going forward. It's not our money or possessions that are sinful. In fact, God can and often does use these things for his good work in the world. And God's ability to use these as a testament to his sovereignty as he takes worldly things and does wonderful things with them. And, and he desires to partner with us in this mission. While the world often sees money as a means to per personal gain, the Bible teaches that our resources can be tools for impacting lives, advancing the kingdom, and demonstrating his love. We can support ministry and outreach. Philippians 4, 15 through 16 says, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except only you. Paul's giving praises to the church for being generous, to using their, their money and their times, their talents to take care of others. He said, for even when I was in Thessalonica, he'd gone to others. He said, you were sending aid. You were taking care of things. Our treasures here on earth, they take care of our practical needs. James 2, 15, 16 reminds us, says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it, right? That's kind of like saying, I'm with you in spirit. That's great, but what does that do for me, you know? 
Praying, yes, but when, but when you're saying, I, you know, go in peace, have a good day, but I know you have a need and I have within my ability to, to take care of that, we have a responsibility there. God calls us to use our treasures here on earth to empower and, and educate and train others in godly living and being good children people. In fact, Proverbs 22, 6, we know this, start children off on the way they should go and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. We support the needy. We're taking care of that in our own community this week with a sale. We invest in discipleship, right? We enable worship and ministry spaces by having a building like this where we can come and gather and hear the word and, and encourage each other. And then we can encourage each other for faithful stewardship. And we often hear this phrase, in fact, I've used it today, pay it forward. And these words themselves are not verbatim in the Bible, but this concept aligns with several biblical principles of teaching and acts of kindness and doing things for others. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we studied the golden rule. This is the, the premise of, of paying it forward that God's blessing us. Jesus demonstrated generosity and giving. In fact, he said, give and it will be given to you. He says a good measure, right? A good measure pressed down, Shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. And here's the key. For what the measure you use, it will be measured to you. All right, so think about that when you think about how much should I love or give or forgive or care, right? The measure you use, it'll be used for you now. He's going to take whatever you measure and he's going to pack it down. He's going to make sure it's packed tight and overflowing. But don't you want to give and receive with the greatest measure that you can? This is how we invest in the kingdom, by loving others generously, by caring for them generously, by forgiving generously. We don't just do it in words, but in action. I found another little cute one. It says, Chris, for Christmas, I got you $25 worth of lottery tickets. I, that doesn't mean to be the theme of this week, but I just couldn't pass on this thing. I got you $25 worth of lottery tickets. I went ahead and scratched them off for you. You won $2. Here's your $2. Merry Christmas. Right? Great. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Acts of kindness. These are very real ways that we can do wonderful, generous things for each other. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let's do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And this verse emphasizes the importance of seizing opportunities to do good, demonstrating kindness to others, and contributing to the well-being of those around us. We know we're supposed to love our neighbor. And when pressed, Jesus was, said, who is my neighbor? And he revealed, everybody's our neighbor. It's not just your, your physical neighbor, your literal neighbor, but everybody in this world with us. These are the people we love, we care for, we care about. We're doing life with. And we want to be encouraged to live a life of good deeds. So while that exact phrase, pay it for, may not be in scripture, the principle of generosity and blessing others as we are blessed certainly is. So we live in a world that's captivated by the allure of temporary treasures. We get caught up in these. I do. And we're called to redirect our focus towards the eternal kingdom of God. The scripture, remember, in the passage from Ecclesiastes are, are, are poignant reminders that our world is brimming with treasures, material possessions, that can easily captivate our hearts and ensnare our souls. And these treasures, however, are temporary in nature. Just as the riches of this world can be amassed, so can they be lost. Ask anyone in Maui right now, so I'm so unfortunate. 
As this world spins on its axis, buildings crumble, currencies lose their value, and the allure of the latest gadget fades in obscurity. You know, if we think about it, there's an anxiety that accompanies pursuing worldly wealth. The, the uncertainty of retaining what we have gathered can leave us sleepless and restless as we worry about losing that which we have. And we may find ourselves in a perpetual cycle of, of striving for more or overly protecting what we have. More wealth, more stature, more possessions, only to realize that they cannot provide the contentment our souls crave. I often talk about this God-sized, God-shaped hole in our, in our soul. And we may fill the space with stuff, but only one thing fits well and fits perfectly. And as we reflect on this, a new perspective emerges, a perspective that invites us to shift our focus from temporary treasures to eternal investments. The Lord in his infinite wisdom calls us to lay up treasures not on earth, but in heaven. The treasures of heaven are, are not subject to decay and rust or theft, as we read. They aren't influenced by values or, or faith or, uh, or that. They, our reactions on this earth are influenced by those things, values, faith, and the love of Christ. And, and this stuff resonates in the, the heavenly realm as we, as we store up these things there. The things we value, the way we live our life. Make some mark there. And stories from scripture and history, they echo the truth of these verses, right? Think of the, the widow who lost her two coins, um, or her, of her last two coins, sorry. A small offering in the eyes of the world, right? Yet Jesus called her out as, as the treasure surpassed all those because she gave what she had and she gave generously and not reluctantly. And her sacrificial gift reflected a heart that valued the eternal more than the temporal. I may not have money for a minute, but I, I'm doing the right thing here. Similarly, consider the lives of the saints and believers who invested the resources, timers, and, and time and talents in advancing the kingdom of heaven. Their choices transformed their lives, flourished communities, and spread the gospel across generations. And this church and our beliefs is a product of that. But the Lord is not indifferent to our well-being. He desires us to experience an abundant life. He says, I want you to live a life abundant. This includes the joy of the things we have and the joy of our stewardship of those things. The Apostle Paul instructs us to do good and to be rich in good works. And, they, um, and then our life, when it aligns with God's eternal purposes, goes on forever. It makes an impact. So this concept of paying it forward, it resonates deeply with the teachings of Christ. You know, Jesus was the one who articulated the golden rule, treating others as we desire to be treated. And this principle goes beyond self-interest. It calls us to sow seeds of kindness and compassion, echoing the love we have received from our Heavenly Father. And Luke, you know, paints that vivid picture of generosity with that measure we use. And it's an invitation to engage in a divine economy where our generosity creates a ripple effect of blessing. And as we read, we want to seize every opportunity. We all have these opportunities to do good, to make an investment in something more eternal. And lastly, Mark 12, 31 encapsulates the essence of paying it forward. We are called to love our neighbor as ourselves. 
And when we do so, we mirror Christ's sacrificial love, a love that changes lives and transforms communities. Let's make that our prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, there are so many things that lure and attract and distract. Lord, even the wonderful things you give us can can just fall out of priority. So let us never forget the source of all things. Lord, as we think about the investments we make, and I don't just mean financial investments, but investments of, of our time and our energy, let us have a kingdom focus. What can we be doing that has the best return on investment? And sometimes that may not mean the best return on investment for ourselves, but for those around us. As we seek to capture every opportunity to, to love and care for others, to do what's good and right and noble. We come before you with hearts full of gratitude for the wisdom of your word. And we thank you for reminding us of the, the temporal, temporary nature of, of these things that we have now and for the significance of investing in the kingdom. Lord, we ask you to empower us to live with a heavenly perspective. May it guide our, our principles and our, and our choices as we seek to honor you and pay it forward and store up the things of value in a place where it matters. And as we navigate this journey, every single one of us in this room and listening online and, and certainly in this world, we're all on the same journey. May our choices and actions resound with an eternal impact. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we pray that, that we see life as you want us to see it. In its glory, its abundance, and its opportunities, all the promise. And in every turn, we also recognize you in it and try to reflect you in this world. Lord, that's our prayer. May we be blessed this morning for the reminder. May we be changed for the way we leave this room this morning. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.